You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio, disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts. And our podcast, available anytime on demand at WPTF.com or through our Facebook, AARP North Carolina. I'm your host, Mike Olander of AARP North Carolina, and we've got a great program for you today, folks. Richard Duncan, the executive director of the Ronald L. Mace Universal Design Institute, is with us to talk about the housing challenge in North Carolina and how he is working to help communities develop creative solutions that work for everybody. But before we go into that, as always, ladies and gentlemen, we have here, I have here with me, our esteemed production engineer, Mr. Jason Kong. Jason, how are you today, sir? I'm great, Mike. I always feel bad because you give me such a wonderful, nice, uh, superfluous introduction, and I feel like you deserve the same. I feel like I need to come back and say, oh, our esteemed host, Mike Olander, I I feel like you need this at least the same treatment that I get. Well, I really appreciate that. You know, I'm just a weekender tourist here at the (laughs) studio. You are the true (laughs) professional, so hearing you say that does make me feel... A little bit better. So, uh, esteemed host. Well, I'm going to have to work that into my intro from now on, Jason. Agreed. You deserve it. Thank you. Uh, speaking of esteem, I wanted to, uh, before we get into our program, um, wanted to talk to you a little bit, Jason, about uh, something I got to enjoy recently, um, something to celebrate, which was my mom's 80th birthday. Oh, awesome. Yes. Uh, turned 80, uh, beginning of September here, and... Um, you know, she and my father live up in Connecticut. So, you know, I grew up in Jersey. I'm the baby of five kids. Um, mid-90s, um, my parents moved up to, uh, to Connecticut, and the rest of us sort of settled, you know, other places um, and so forth. And um, they've been living up there with my brother, who's in a separate uh, facility or a separate apartment uh, from them. And a uh, really great life they've got up there. And um, for her 80th, you know, sometimes on birthdays and stuff, me and my siblings have been able to go up to Connecticut and, you know, travel and celebrate birthdays and other things. We, we, that did not happen this year. So we, uh, all did get to enjoy, did a, you know, big zoom call, um, and, um, got to just enjoy, you know, I think almost a couple of hours on with her. And, uh, but prior to that though, I had such a, just a, a great moment with her. Um, I called her earlier that day, well before the Zoom call, and um, it was late morning, and um, got her on the phone, and she was like, oh, Michael, yeah, um, when about, she was like, I was just telling your father that I was born at 11.57 a.m., and it's now 11.54, and so I said, well, great, I'm going to be on the phone with you when you officially turn 80, (laughs) and uh, we, we, we enjoyed the moment, we counted down, you know, the last 10 seconds, like the ball dropping or what have you, you know, New Year's. And, um, you know, had a wonderful, lovely conversation. And uh, I said something to my mom. I, I've never said any, I've never said to her before in my life. Um, and that's, and it's something that I think typically uh, kids don't usually say to their parents. And that is, mom, I'm proud of you. And uh, it wasn't being, you know, proud that she's turning 80 years old, even though that's, that's a huge year for, 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 for adults, a huge milestone year for sure. 
but just the way she has lived her life and the way that she has um, been a role model for me, um, her kindness, everything about her, I'm extremely proud. Um, this is interesting, Jason. Believe it or not, I have never met anybody who's met my mom and disliked her, ever. Um, the the word over the years, the the adjective that I've found most that best describes her, uh, her character, her spirit is angelic. Just oh. a sweet, sweet person, um, extremely generous, thoughtful, um, a woman of incredible strength too. Um, and, you know, my as I mentioned, I'm the baby of five kids. My next oldest sibling is seven years older than me, um, and he was born with a disability, cerebral palsy. And we were, my parents were told that there's a good chance he may never walk. Um, and I don't think it was until he was six or seven years old that he actually did um, start to walk. Uh, up until that point, my mom would work with him every single day physical therapy, moving his legs, you know, working with him through that. And then all of a sudden she's pregnant with me, unplanned pregnancy. So her and my dad naturally freaking out a little bit, a little scared, a little stressed. Um, and then, of course, after I was born, continued to work uh, with my brother and, and dedicated herself to being the best mom possible. And I have to tell you, um, I got thinking, I can only remember one time when my mom was in a bad mood, had a bad day, and kind of took it out on me a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like just snapped at me. It wasn't anything big. And I remember shortly after her sitting down with me and apologizing and explaining. She didn't go into details what was going on in her life at the moment, but just, you know, had just apologized that it wasn't me, it was her. And, uh, man, I look back at that now as someone who's been a parent for 13 years, and I think, boy, <laughs> I cannot say that. My kids will never be able to say that. I mean, I mean, not that I snap up my kids, but, you know, you have a bad day. It's hard to not show it sometimes. Sure. And my mom is such a rock, been through so much in her life with the death of a father as a, you know, uh, when she was a little girl and, and losing her mom, losing her brother and dealing with, with so many uh, challenges, you know, raising a family, us being very poor at one point um, and challenges with my brother and other things over the years, um, her own health my father's health, so on and so forth, um, and just being a rock. And you'd never know sometimes uh, growing up that she really had the world on her shoulders and she just uh, would never show it. And so, Mom, um, if you're listening, once again, happy birthday. I love you, and um, I am just so proud of you, and you are always going to be a shining star in my sky, a north star in showing me um, how to do a lot of things the right way uh, they are to be done. So much love to you, Mom. Folks, if you're listening, uh, do send us a question or a comment, or should I say a story about your parent. Always love hearing from you, AARP Without Limits at aarp.org. So Jason, my parents are living in this great, wonderful house up in New England, and it is a little big for them. And so we've been, me and my siblings have been talking to them about what the future of their housing situation is is going to be. Um, and so that's actually a good transition into speaking with our guest. Uh, Richard Duncan is the executive director of the Ronald L. Mace Universal Design Institute. Um, he has been he has been working in his own space. He's worked with AARP on, on housing issues uh, and other things over the years. And so I, I am absolutely delighted to have him on today. Richard, thank you so much for being with us today. Hello, Mike. Nice to be here. Uh, let's begin with a few basics about yourself, uh, your background, your current work, um, and where you are. Yeah, great. Thanks. 
Um, the Institute is located right now in Asheville, North Carolina, although we spent 25 years in the Triangle area, so I'm very familiar with Raleigh and Wake County and Chapel Hill and all those areas as well. Um, I'm a planner by training, uh, but I've worked with designers, engineers, healthcare professionals, and all the people involved in construction of the built environment for all those years, all around the issues of accessible environments and then eventually universally designed. And of course, we have to mention age-friendly environments mm. uh, for all that time. So I'm, I'm kind of steeped in design as well as in the planning yeah. aspects, which is to say, you know, we pay attention to, to, to features in buildings and the features in homes, as well as the products in them, as well as being mindful that where they're located in a neighborhood, in a community, and the connections between those different areas matter from a planning perspective. So it kind of go from micro to macro in the work that I do. Hmm. Very good. Now, your work over the years has included work with AARP uh, on housing issues, design issues. Like many issues, uh, housing is one of those issues that a lot of people don't learn about or think about unless they have to. Um, and it can get very complex. Uh, just some basics. Why is housing such an important issue for older adults as you see it? Yeah, well, it starts, and from my perspective, from uh, from the demographics of the country. United States, as everybody knows, and as ARP knows very well, is a rapidly aging country. Uh, we have a growth in the aging, the over 65 and over 60 demographic that won't even peak for another 40 years. So we have a long way to go. We're right in the middle of it. And while we're really happy that we're able to live much longer lives well into our 70s, 80s, and even 90s, which your mom may be headed for as well, um, uh, our, our, our housing stock hasn't kept up. So we're living a lot longer. Unfortunately, way too much of our housing is being built as if we were just a younger demographic. You know, the life expectancy in 1900 was 47 years. Now it's 75 to 80. And as we know, a lot of people live longer. Um, and so the housing hasn't kept up. So we have this person housing mismatch where we're getting older, our abilities are in some cases declining and changing, and our houses are still the same houses we raised our families in, or that we maybe we moved into 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and we're finding that all kinds of problems happening so that our houses are becoming more problematic. They're becoming, in some cases, kind of prisons because we can't do the activities of meaning with meaning and purpose that we used to be able to safely any longer. So it's a real issue of safety and independence in our homes. And kind of that's why it matters now. Very, very well put. Um, your organization's website states that it is dedicated to promoting the concept and practice of accessible and universal design. For our listeners out there who've never heard of it, what is meant by universal design? Sure. So um, people are probably more familiar with the term accessible design, and I'll start with that as a counterpoint. And that's really design that came out of this work back in the early parts of the, of the, of the 20th century, um, that that deal with responding to people with disabilities in the in, in in our in our society. So it's adults of any ages, kids of any ages. You mentioned you had a brother um, with a disability. Uh, it's really responding to those folks in the environment. Universal design takes some of those concepts and says, "Hey, you know what? Everybody can really use a lot of those basic features, not just uh, a particular segment of society, and really at any age as well." but especially as we're growing older. And I'm happy to talk to you about universal design in just a second. 
Great, great. Um, let's do that after we get back from our break. I think it is so important, as we say here, Jason, many, many times, you know, ARP is committed to supporting families through aging, not just older adults, but, you know, of course, those living with them and supporting them and, you know, finding solutions that can span a lifetime, whether it being a home that's good for people of all ages and abilities, really needs to be a goal. And, and we are committed to making that more front and center. Uh, you've been listening to AARP Without Limits. We'll be right back after this break. And we are back. This is AARP Without Limits. Uh, We always like to hear from you folks. Please do remember that we do have an email address and we love hearing from you. Send us a question, send us a comment, send us a recommendation or a suggestion for a future topic or guest. Uh, Email us at aarpwithoutlimits at aarp.org. We've been speaking today with Richard Duncan, who is the executive director of the R.L. Mace Universal Design Institute. And uh, right before the break, we were talking about accessible design. And now we're going to, I'd like to uh, ask him about uh, specifically, Richard, about universal design, because I think a lot of uh, this is something really important to our audience and folks may not be aware of that of that term. So what is universal design? Yeah. Uh, so if you think of, of accessible design as being design that's particularly responsive to a person with a disability, Universal design does most of that, but in a package that's good looking and marketable. Think of it that way. So uh, universal design applied to housing is a big deal because most of our housing is built in traditional ways. There's very few features that really accommodate us at any age if we have some issues that uh, that occur to us and certainly as we grow older. So a universal house, for example, may have some wider doorways. It will have a step-free entrance into the house that doesn't involve one of these kind of unloved wooden ramps that we see so often around, even though we can't avoid them. A universal house has a has a, has a graded entry that's step-free. It has a usable bath. It may have something we call a, a curbless shower with, a, with zero curb and zero threshold into it. And it certainly has a kitchen that has features in it that are much more usable by a wider range of people than standard bathrooms. It's It's high function and marketable. It has to both look good and work well. Hmm. Now, um, this for folks who are like looking, you know, who are buying a new house, I think it's relatively easy to say, well, I want to buy a house or have a house built with these features up front. Or for somebody who's maybe staying where they're at but need to do some renovations, um, you know, in their mind, they're thinking this could be quite costly. Uh, how do you respond to that? What types of options are available that, that are more affordable that can make a real difference in people's lives? Yeah, for sure. Um my, my advice to people who are thinking about renovating, for starters, is really to think strategically, to think about the expense, as you mentioned, of renovations and how much they might be able to get from that renovation versus alternatives that might exist elsewhere in their community. Um, it, 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 you can spend a lot of money on a renovation and not get as far as you'd like to get in terms of having it really have an age-friendly result. Although lots of low-cost things you can do. You can add grab bars in your bathroom, you can change your door handles, you can add handrails on the stairs, you can declutter your house, lots of low cost things, even added lighting, which is so much easier these days because of the LED lights we have that can add a lot more brightness without costing a lot of money and without drawing a lot of electrical current. Um, If you're thinking about um, an, an alternative, and that's one of the challenges we have as older adults, 
not that many alternatives out there, but there are some. You could think about apartment living, for example. A lot of the apartments built in the past 20 years um, are much more age-friendly than they would have been earlier. You can even think about this in terms of condos. You could rent, you could buy a condo. A lot of those more recently built condos may have some great features. You may even think about a duplex or a triplex house instead of a, you know, of a full single family detached home. Those might be more affordable. And even in the manufactured housing realm these days, you can get modular and panelized homes that cost less than otherwise standard single family detached houses. And then of course, there's an option that's vastly underutilized, um, which should be considered, we think more by more adults uh, and older adults as well as accessory dwellings. Hmm. Um, as we're trying to address the, the housing challenges that are out there, um, you know, there's a real need to be creative and creative with existing space sometimes. And one term that we've been hearing a lot here in the triangle and, and even uh, and certainly in other parts of the states is ex- the term accessory, accessory dwelling units or ADUs. Uh, tell us a bit about that. What are these and what, what, what uh, benefits do they provide? Yeah, accessory dwellings, as you say, ADUs are also known by a lot of other names, granny flats, right. bellows, and so on. Um, they've been around for in this, in this country, although more recently, in the past 50 or 60 years, they've been more restricted because of the development ordinances that have taken place in so many parts of the country. Um, what they are simply is a smaller dwelling that's a complete dwelling. It has a full kitchen, full bathroom, and a bedroom or a sleeping area. It's just a smaller size than a typical house. And so it might be 350 to 800 square feet, right? Um, And if you're gonna make it age friendly, it has to have some of these features I was talking about in terms of step-free entrance, uh, bathroom that's far more usable and has more space within it. So we can maybe bring a walker if we need to, or we can add grab bars more inexpensively later on. Now, if you're an older adult and maybe the child of an older adult, and maybe downsizing is one of your objectives, in which case an accessory dwelling is a terrific idea. Sometimes adult children of even older adults might locate an ADU in their backyard. So mom or dad could come live in them. They have the the the, the, uh, the possibility of mom and dad sharing childcare, maybe with babysitting. And well, the, the, the adult children might be able to be the ones who can care for mom and dad. That's a great benefit. Um, and it really is more affordable. We know that accessory dwellings cost much less than full-sized um, single-family detached homes and housing. So it is a more affordable housing option for a lot of people than having to invest in another, let's say, full-sized home. Hmm. And on the topic of ADUs, you are doing some exciting work uh, with AARP and others um, here in in the Triangle region, a contest. Can you tell folks about that? What's going on and what can they look forward to? Yeah. So Raleigh did a terrific thing a few years ago. They changed their development ordinances so that, in fact, it's easier to build an accessory dwelling now in many parts of the city and on many kind of residential um, plots of land. The other thing about accessory dwellings is that they're always located on a plot of land with an existing home on it, right? Um, So they made it easier for that to happen in Raleigh. They ran a competition of their own last year that brought a lot of great design ideas out that's now available in a gallery that they have for folks to look at, download, contact the designers for. So they're really trying to make um, the the, diff- the 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 point between where you have an idea and getting it done a lot easier. One of the issues is that in Raleigh and like the rest of the country, there aren't that many 
um, designs for ex for uh, accessory dwellings that are age friendly. So AARP decided this year to sponsor uh, an accessory dwelling design competition that emphasized exclusively age friendly designs right at the beginning of that right now. In fact, next week is the first webinar we have informational session on what the what the competition is all about. It's available to anyone who could submit a plan to the city of Raleigh for permitting. Um, so September 12th is the first date for the info session. Um, I'll give you the information about how to how to find out more about that in a second. Uh, September 18th is the next session that goes into a deep dive on design and the competition opens October 6th, closes October 27th. The winners will be announced later in the month of November. Excellent. Excellent. And um, it, it, going to your organization's website, is that the best place for folks to find that information? Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll tell it to you, and then I'm sure you'll find a way to make it available to people. It's simple to say, even though it sounds long, betterlivingdesign.org, really simple, slash ADU for Raleigh. Betterlivingdesign.org slash ADU for Raleigh. That's the landing page we've created on one of our websites just for this design competition has all the dates, the submission requirements, um, accessory dwelling information, design information, age-friendly design, and so on. It's all to be found right there. Excellent. And we will post that when we post this podcast on our on our social media and, and so forth. We'll make sure that we have that link there as well. Uh, Richard Duncan, in the last minute that we've got with you, I'm curious, you know, there's exciting work going on here. This, this competition will bring forth some great ideas, I'm hoping. You follow all of this stuff very, very closely, not just in North Carolina, but around the country, I'm sure. Are there any communities that are doing really innovative, creative work in this space that, you know, you are watching and you think others should be watching as well? Yeah. One of the things that we're watching nationally is, is more and more communities trying to develop ordinances that really encourage more age-friendly design of everyday homes and housing. And it's a terrific idea to encourage more of this. They use incentives, uh, in some cases by waiving uh, development fees, in some cases by providing density bonuses to a developer of larger scale, and, and sometimes, um, you know, fast tracking the, the process for particular homeowners or builders or architects who want to do this. That's a great idea because we need to have more this housing done, not just in accessory dwellings, but really in full-sized homes of all kinds and all sizes and price points. So we'd love to see more of that happening. Excellent. Yeah, cutting through that red tape, I think, is so important and doing it with incentives that are uh, attractive to developers uh, and others is, is uh, one key way of doing that. Uh, that is a wrap, folks. I want to thank Richard Duncan for being with us. Again, he is with the Ronald L. Mace Universal Design Institute. And if you go on our social media, we'll make sure that we have uh, his uh, website uh, linked up there. I want to thank you to Jason Kong for production as always. Thank you for listening. This has been AARP Without Limits. I'm Mike Olander signing off.